I could do on the <laughs> mad dog impression. You like that one, Chad? Honestly, not not that bad. It, it's, fun, it's funny that we see Mad Dog more and more now these days on on TV. <laughs> I liked it. Hey, I'd give I'd give that impression nine out of ten. I don't think anyone wow. can score a perfect ten. I could do it better when I used to watch High Heat more. I haven't watched it as much, but like two years ago, I was watching. Well, three years ago, I was watching like every single day. And I was listening to him on the radio, and I think I did a better Mad Dog. It's a little rusty, but the reason I open up today on the Jack Vita show is because it's the afternoon. We are chilling here, a couple of bros, talking some ball with you today. Welcome to the Jack Vita show, by the way, for those who are just finding this podcast for the first time. That's not normally how... That's a first. I've never opened the show like that before. Never <laughs> done my Mad Dog impression. I liked it. I felt, it was probably natural. How, how long did, were you thinking about doing that? Were you like, how should I open the show today? Or you just kind of went for it? I thought of it when you were just trying to join the browser. So I <laughs> muted my phone and I was like, I'm going to try to do this a couple times when you were talking to me on the phone. Well, you weren't really talking, but you were, Chad was trying to get into the stream yard and he was struggling. So I had a couple minutes. And I was just going to say, oh, hey, it's afternoon. That'd be kind of funny to open the show up like Mad Dog Russo today. But <laughs> Uh, I, I think it's a little rusty. I'd probably give that one like a set six out of 10. I don't think that was my best one. <laughs> you, you, I think you made a good call. So <laughs> on, on doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we're here on Tuesday, June 28th, 2022. Hard to believe it's almost the month of July. Today, we're going to talk some baseball news. We're going to take a look at our all-star selections, all-star picks. I had promised that we'd be having Clarence Black on our next episode. Unfortunately, some work stuff came up for Clarence. We weren't able to record last week. We'll get him back on at some point this summer, I'm sure. I don't know how soon. Might be a little later in the summer. He's a busy guy doing a lot of stuff with our U.S. Army. Um, so we are thankful for his service. And uh, But no Clarence today. That's okay. We're coming off our hot episode with Bob Nightingale last week. Uh, we've had a nice string of episodes here. So if you guys have missed it and you want to listen to Brian Erlacher, Bob Nightingale, Mike Hoff, uh, there's someone else in there. Who did I have on in between Hoff and Nightingale? Or was that it? Did I not have anyone on? I think, I think that I think that was it. And then yeah, okay. Erlacher so I took, like, was the other big one. Break. Yeah. Yeah, I took, a, I took a four week break and then we had Scott Pollard and Elise Meneker on uh, in the previous weeks before that. Um, so lots I, of great episodes. Bob Nightingale, of course, one of the top baseball writers to ever do this thing. Someone to aspire to in this business and a great guy, too. So it's great to have him on. Chad, I know you're uh, you're a fan of Bob Nightingale. I, I'm a huge fan of his work and, you know, kind of uh, what you all discussed is I'm assuming some of the things that we'll be discussing today. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to jump the gun for you, but uh, yeah, I, I, I listened to y'all's conversation and I thought you're both great on there and seemed like a really down to earth guy. And so I'm glad that you're able to talk to him on your show. It's a pretty big deal. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, Bob is just, he's a great guy. So nice. So friendly. I was able to, I first met him uh, earlier this year. We've talked on the phone a few times and we were just talking some ball. We just chat on the phone and we talk some ball and he's been a good mentor for me. And so 
we're talking ball and he had to run. He was like riding around in an Uber and he's just like, <laughs> Jack, this is really fun, but I got to run. He's like, why don't we talk again next week? I'm like, how about we just do it on the podcast? He's like, sounds good, Jack. Anything for you, man. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. So that's how we had Bob on uh, last week. And we're going to have some more great guests throughout the summer or later this week. I'm going to speak with a baseball wife of actually one of your Houston Astros prospects. Uh, JP France is a triple A pitcher in the Astros system and his wife, Jessica, formerly known as Jessica McCain. Uh, she was on the real world and then she was on four seasons of the challenge on MTV. And now she's the wife of a triple A prospect and she's a strong Christian. So we're going to have a lot of interesting conversations with her. Make sure you guys are all subscribed to the Jack Vita show. So you don't miss out on any of that. And I've, deferred to him several times already in this podcast but we should give him a nice introduction uh great friend of the show has been on here several times great friend of mine got to visit him out in phoenix a couple times over the past year and probably will do that again fairly soon and now he's working an internship at the cbs right cbs affiliate in phoenix that, arizona yep and he's yes. in grad school for sports journalism and sports broadcasting at Arizona State. Uh, he graduated from TCU, and he's rocking one of his Astros jerseys on, so we know that he's clearly not biased. <laughs> yeah. In un- Chad Ball yeah. Green. <laughs> well, thank you for the introduction. I, I didn't even need that big of a one. But, I mean, yeah, I hope my Houston Astros bias doesn't come out too, too strongly in today's show, but I'm afraid <laughs> of that could be the case oh boy boy, chad okay (laughs) he's he's off to a great start already (laughs) already hey i'm just saying you know this past weekend was the astros and the yankees series split the series with you know quote unquote i've been waiting to say this you know the past couple days quote the best team in baseball and astros were expected to lose at least three of them but we split the series and we lost on two walk-offs to the yankees both really just by one person aaron judge but it is what it is. I think we're going to be seeing the Astros, the Yankees back in the uh, ALCS pretty soon here in October. I, I think that's truly going to be uh, the matchup. And Astros also have not missed a CS since, what, 2015 or 16? So I think they'll be back. Wow. 2016 was the last year that they were not in the ALCS. That's correct. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. They, they've had a quite a run here. And the Yankees were on pace prior to the weekend to win 120 games. Aaron Judge has been on pace to pass the real home run record. Roger Maris is 62 home runs. I am actually reading the book on called Game of Shadows about Barry Bonds' PED usage. And the deeper I go into it, the less respect I have for that number, which it seems like is something that a lot of people are kind of sort of trying to retract a little bit and there used to be more i don't know how to say this there was less tolerance for steroid and ped usage and i understand that the game has benefited from it no doubt but as i go deeper into this stuff i'm just more and more not i don't want to say repulsed or sickened or whatever i'm just like it's wrong it's not ethical it's not right so I, that's a whole conversation for another time. I didn't mean to get here, but hey, the Yankees playing some good baseball. It was a great series. 
Jonathan Jaggard, another good friend of the show who also lives out near you, Chad. Uh, he was texting the other day and he's like, that was just like that uh, Sox Yankees series from last year. Just a truly remarkable, great series. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And I, I think we're going to be seeing this matchup again. And then, you know, also the, the Astros, they're going to be see the Yankees very soon again, uh, as well as the Mets before uh, the All-Star break. And so Astros are slated to have the toughest schedule in baseball is what they say, but they handed it pretty well to the Mets. And they I think they fared their own at Yankee Stadium, which is a hard place to play. And, you know, Judge and Stanton, they just have that advantage. They can kind of hit a pop-up right to right field, and it's a home run in the second deck. But in most ballparks, it's an out, you know. And the Astros just maybe weren't used to that, except Kyle Tucker did uh, hit a couple outs, so that was really nice for him. But other than that, it's hard to compete. And so I'm hoping the Astros are a little more advantaged back in Maid Park, hopefully. But – uh, I, I'm excited for baseball, and I'm, I'm also just really excited for for the All Star break. Uh, I, it's going to be a special time, and especially with the way sports are going right now, I think it's going to be a big deal this summer. So, before we touch on our selections, which is the main theme of today's show, we should also do a few news hits here from around not just baseball, but the world of sports. But we'll start with Major League Baseball. Bryce Harper hit by a pitch the second straight year that he's been hit by a 97-mile-an-hour fastball, and it looked extremely painful. Last year, he took one right in the face, and he ended up being okay. This time, however, he broke his thumb. Blake Snell, I'm sure, feels horrible. Harper's going to need surgery, and then he's going to need six weeks to recover after surgery. My first take on this here is I think the Phillies are done. They might make. Yeah. They might sneak into the playoffs, but he's having, he's having a remarkable year to follow up his MVP campaign, and this is a team that their whole strategy is slug, slug, slug without much regard for defense. They're one of the worst teams in the league defensively, and you get rid of your best bat. Obviously, you're gonna need some guys to step up. Maybe maybe Castellanos and a couple of those guys do step up. But with the way that the Braves are playing right now, with how good the Mets have been, say goodbye to the division, Phillies fans. I don't think it's going to happen this year. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it's when you lose also a face in the clubhouse like Bryce Harper, your team really takes a hit. And he is – it's so weird because we've kind of seen him evolve as when he was just, you know, a young 20-year-old making it in. But now he is – a veteran face and he is already kind of made his, his way around the block in the MLB yeah. so far. And so he's, he's the vet now considering yeah. in, in what he's just what 29 about to be 30, I believe. Oh. And so it's, it's weird, but when you lose that, I think the morale just skyrockets, unfortunately. And the Phillies were that bubble team heading in and they've been that bubble team still, especially with the way that the Mets have been playing in the first half. But I, I think it would be, extremely challenging for them to even get a wild card bid at this point now losing him. Yeah. I, I was not, I'm not high on the team. I already wasn't high on the team, but now they lose their best bat. Um, I, I think their goose is cooked. So to speak. And I know <laughs> the Phillies fans are not going to like it, but 
whatever. They don't. There's a lot of stuff they don't like. So, okay, <laughs> let's see what else we got here. Uh, huge brawl, suspensions handed out left and right. Angels and the Mariners. It's <laughs> things really escalated on Saturday. Trout saw two fastballs up and in that came close to hitting him, one over his head. And Trout made a statement after the game, and it was essentially, if you can't control your inside stuff, don't pitch inside. This is classic. This is this has gone on for as long as we've known in baseball. So then there was something else going on at the end of the game. The, the Mariners won the game at the Angels, and they were celebrating and dancing around. There's a shot. John Boy did a great breakdown of this whole thing. And you can see Phil Nevin, the new manager for the Angels, and players really not happy with this whole thing. So then there, he and Scott Service, the Mariners manager, they were saying exchanging some expletives uh, <laughs> yeah. <in the> dugout, <laughs> from one dugout to another. And they the Angels opened up. Sunday's game with an opener whole idea typically is when you see a guy in that type of spot where they don't really do the opener thing he's going to throw at somebody he's going to get ejected so he throws behind Julio Rodriguez and I would have been fine if that was it he could have been ejected there he probably should have been I think that Sends when you do a message pitch, you're not necessarily trying to hit the guy, but you just throw behind him. You get your point across. You don't need to do anything else. Then in the second inning, he ends up throwing right at Jesse Winker in the rear end. <laughs> and there was some kind of exchange between Winker and the Angels. And then ended up Winker charges towards the Mariners, uh, the Angels dugout. Amir Garrett style, and all heck breaks loose. Punches thrown left and right. I like it as an entertainment product. I won't lie. <laughs> I, I think it's things like that are good for baseball because it brings non-baseball fans in, and now they're like, wow, I, I have a reason to watch if I'm not as interested in the sport. And I I also did see that John Boy break, uh, the breakdown. I think he did a great job. I honestly think that was one of his – his best videos he's put out and granted that's a pretty tough video to break down. Yeah, it, it, it helped me understand uh, the backstory behind it. And I know that I believe maybe nine or 10 days earlier to that Saturday game where they threw at trout the previous week uh, that there were pitches thrown and, you know, a little too close to the chin. And so that kind of has something that spilled over into the following week when they played each other in that next series, but it's, it's baseball. It's, it's an unwritten rule of baseball. I think umpires also know that this is just what happens. This is how teams handle conflict. This is how teams deal with problems. And it almost seems like, you know, they are concerned for the safety, but it's also the past couple of years, it seemed like they have really just tried to put an end to it all. I mean, in normal situation, I think, that he would have been ejected after just throwing behind him, but yeah. they let him in. But you see more and more, there are more ejections now. And what I think I saw yesterday, there are now 12 ejections or, or 12 disciplinaries at least from, uh, fr- from that brawl. That that's a lot. That's a lot of, that's, I think that's the, a lot of action. I think the reason why I, I, I think we could see this coming 
three years ago, they really ran with let the kids play as like their slogan or their motto, which I thought was kind of cheesy. I mean, the whole, <laughs> the whole movement and idea of like, yeah, show a little motion or showmanship, whatever. I just think when you're encouraging that, not everyone is going to be perceiving things the same way. And you're going to have confrontation. You're going to have dust up and to expect that to never happen and try to entirely rid that out of baseball entirely, I think is foolish because there's a part of this that, again, I'm not saying throw at someone's head or anything like that. I think there's a fine line of where you can go, where you can't go, but the game has always policed itself pretty well for the most part. And you're going to have situations like this, which I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd say, I think the, there's kind of, again, there's nuance in this stuff. So Jesse Winker flipping off the fans is not good for the game. <laughs> the double bird. <laughs> no, that's not good for the game. But it's not when you have some of this stuff, it's entertainment. I enjoy the entertainment of it. And John, it's, it keeps John, John Boy busy. I like John Boy's videos. They're great. So, <laughs> I mean, personally, what I think happened here, there's some, there had to be some distaste, dislike between these teams already before. They're in division, and there had to be something already. Who knows what the history between Scott Service and Phil Nevin is? But what I think the main thing is here is Phil Nevin. I believe is trying to bring his clubhouse together. And this is the kind of stuff when it's an eye for an eye and you're throwing at guys on other teams, it does bring the team together. It It's like you're going to war for one another and he's trying to establish a radically different culture from the one of Joe Madden, which is much more loosey goosey show up and whatever you want, not as much discipline. And when you make that change, you typically go in the opposite direction. The Angels have been free-falling for a while. He's trying to spark something in his team. And I think that's the core of what we saw and why everything ended up happening the way it did this weekend. Yeah, and you, you look at the Angels. They were slated to be a playoff team. So much talent. Otani finally had the MVP season that he did last year. And then nothing has gone their way. They lose their manager 14 games. And this is also Phil Nevin's what maybe third or fourth week on the job. He's still yeah. trying to figure out his, his place at the clubhouse. Well, he's going to spend the next 10 days off the job <laughs> in the can. <laughs> Not actually, but, <laughs> but, but no, I, I agree with you. I think, not that he necessarily wanted it to escalate to this, but I don't think he's necessarily unhappy with the fact that this brought the angels together. And if any team needed this, it is the Angels. <laughs> they definitely needed this. They, they they need this more than any other team out there. And also, from the Mariners' side of things, I mean, Bob said last week, Scott Service could be that next manager who's on the hot seat. This is a team that was a trendy pick to win the AL West by some. I thought they were going to be contending for it. I think I had them as maybe one of the top one or two wildcard teams. They won 90 games last year. They go out and they get Suarez and Winker and Robbie Ray. And it really felt like, and then you bring up Julio Rodriguez, it felt like this team's just going to keep getting better and better and better. So there could be a similar effect in the Mariners dugout in terms of 
trying to spark something with that team. Now, I don't think I, I, I don't know. I don't think that they threw at Trout intentionally. And I don't think that the Angels threw at Upton intentionally. I think that, but at the same time, I don't think the Angels were wrong to send that message pitch to Julio or to hit Winker. The problem, I think, is that they did both. Like, if you do one of those, you get your point across. You don't need to throw at another guy. Yeah, I, I think if you hit, if you throw behind Julio, you say, hey, we're not trying to hurt you. We're trying yeah. to do what we have to do as a team. They, they the have message. to send a, send a message back. You, 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 can't, you can't let that go. That, that doesn't fly in baseball. And every manager, every player, even the umpires, like I said, they all know that already. And, but they did both. He also started out, the, it was the second inning, first pitch, box score not even on the TV, and Winker gets hit in the rear end. <laughs> That's <laughs> completely it. And, you know, and especially when you have an opener like that, if you look back at the John Boy thing, I forgot who it was, but one of the Mariners players had uh, gone up uh, to the opener, and he said, um, which I'm blanking on his name, um, the Angels opener who started. Yeah. But uh, he uh, Andrew wants wants that's right yes and and he's it you could see want saying I had to hit him I had to hit him and it, it was an orchestrated plan the entire time yeah. and never knew what he was doing and so that kind of silences any of the critics who are saying it slipped out of his hand the first time or whatever I mean I think everyone knew that the second one was intentional but hey you got to do what you got to do on the field. <laughs> And if you're going to do it, I mean, get him in the rear end. There's nothing – I don't think that there's anything wrong with that because uh, someone someone might – some people might say, oh, well, he could, it could slip out of his hand and he might hit him up high or up low. And it's like if it slips out of his hand, he may as well be aiming for the strike zone if it slips out of his hand. Like, you know, we saw what happened with when Upton got hit. That was a ball that just kind of ran wild. It looked like um, – Michael Lorenzen lost the handle on it. So um, I don't agree with that argument. But again, it was just like it should have stopped after the Julio thing. Or you don't do the Julio thing and you just throw a winker in the rear end. Or, yeah, you just get your point across the first inning. Or I don't know. It got kind of weird. Phil Nevin is I probably went a little far with this. And he's getting 10 games because he was the main instigator in this. And I think I think that's fair. So that's those are probably our big two baseball stories from the weekend in the world of Major League Baseball. I'm sure we'll touch on other stuff along the way as we go through our all-star selections. One more quick hit here. We have two new champions in the world of sports. Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup in six games. Their first cup since 2001, I believe. I know Sam Quiet, a good friend of the show, is extremely happy, huge, huge Avs fan from Denver. And then uh, we also have Ole Miss winning the College World Series over Oklahoma. Two straight years now that a Mississippi team has won the College World Series with Mississippi State winning a year ago. So, Chad, is there any uh, any thoughts you want to throw in there about either of these teams that won these championships before we move along to our all-star picks? Yes, Jack. I mean, I think probably your listeners who recognize my name as well as you know that I'm a huge baseball fan, specifically also college baseball. And I'm glad that it got uh, the major coverage that it deserved this year. I think a little bit more popular and that was kind of fueled by the lockout and everything. But this Mississippi team, I don't 
I, I want to emphasize how crazy it was that they won because they got eliminated from the SEC tournament pretty early on, and they were kind of bottom-tier SEC team, which, again, very, very difficult conference to play baseball in. And then – but they they were not supposed to make it far, and I believe they were, what, number 63 or 64 at-large bid of the whole tournament. They were, yeah. they were not supposed to be playing this summer, but they made it. And then that's just what happens in baseball, I think, out of any of the major sports, the hottest team – can't, has the best chance to win in baseball. You know, it's not every day where, let's say in the NFL, you have, I don't know, a, a seven and nine, or I guess what it'd be eight, seven and ten now. Jaguars team somehow make the playoffs, win the Super Bowl. That's probably not going to happen. But in baseball, that can happen because it's, it's a very streaky game. But it's the fact that Ole Miss won this is it's pretty unreal, and they had a lot of young talent on their team still. They're they're having a couple. Uh, very solid pieces of their lineup uh, returning uh, Delusha, the pitcher winning outstanding player that he, he did a phenomenal job. I think it's the great. I'm, I'm happy for Ole Miss. And one thing also, I think uh, you, we have to point out the sec is they're a real deal conference out of the, the three major sports. They did win three national champions, this championships this year. Uh, if you include South Carolina on the women's tournament and then, you also have Georgia and then now Ole Miss. So, wow, SEC, Chad. Chad, that's a pretty cold take. The SEC <laughs> is a real deal conference. <laughs> See, you, you, you got to remember, I uh, I'm in Pac-12 land, and I can <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time I heard the term "conference of champions," Jack, I wouldn't have I wouldn't be in school. I'd be <laughs> on my way. <laughs> so I I you got to remember, I'm in I'm in the heart of the Pac-12. But yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy for Ole Miss. I'm happy for college baseball, and we'll see where it goes from here. I had to baseball. All right, Chad, uh, we've teased it enough. Let's get into our All Star selections, MLB All Star, and we will start with American League catcher. And by the way, for those who want to, they can check it out on my website, jackvita.com. I did an entire piece where I made my selections for the game. And I just want to say something here. I know a lot of people, when you vote for the All-Star team, you want to vote for your favorite players and or you want to just stuff the ballot with everyone who plays on your team. If you want to be a person that doesn't do that and vote for the guys who are most deserving so you get the most deserving players in there, which I do, then t- take listen up to what we're going to say here because we're going to go a little deep on this stuff. Um, but we're going to start with American League catcher, Chad. And I'll let you I'll, – I'll, I'll, I'll go to you first. Who do you have? Well, I, I think – and I'm glad you said that because a lot of people have it wrong. They want the all-star names and the lineup starting the game and, you know, on the bench as a reserve. And it's a very big deal to be on the all-star team. But, you know, I think it's a, it's a privilege for me to be able to do this with you because for years I've been kind of doing this on my own <laughs> as well. I, I, not that I completely disagree with who's been an all-star in the past. I think they're all deserving, but there are always flaws. You know, there's always going to be that one starter who is ends up hitting 220, but just because he's getting 300 million a year, he's going to be a starter because the fans know who he is. But that's not what I think. 
the all-star team should be consisted of. It should be consisted of the players who have the best numbers in the first half of the season. I think that's kind of what, uh, for the most part, I, I did my best to, to do that. Well, and, I want to add one thing to that that I did. Not only the best offensive numbers, but defense. And I want to make a point here. Think about how, if you're a position player, you're on the field for nine innings of the game, involved in every single play on the defensive side. Offensively, you come up to bat three, four, maybe five times. The majority of the time, you don't get on base. So in theory, you spend a lot more time on your toes defensively than you do offensively. And I really think defense is being greatly undervalued and overlooked, especially by the fans. So with these metrics and offensive stats we're going to talk about, I'm also factoring in defensive runs saved, which I don't think is the end-all, be-all. It's not a perfect metric. But I think it's the easiest big one to really use in this case. Um, But, Chad, sorry to interrupt. I should let you continue. No, you're you're good, and and there's a couple guys in my lineup. Uh, one guy in particular on the AL side that we'll get to later, but okay. uh, I really have him in not just because he's a great uh, offensive player, but because his defense is I think could be overlooked, and he might not actually be a starter, but I think he'll he won't have any problem making the team. But for for catcher, yes. I think this will probably be a pretty popular pick, and if you just Play look at if you look at his raw numbers. I think you got to go up to the Great White North, Alejandro Kirk. Uh, you know, one of the only catchers this year hitting above 300. He's got 10 bombs already. I I think he deserves it. And you know, to be fair, I honestly was not very familiar um, with him at all. And I, he's still pretty young. What maybe 24, 23, 23. I think, to 23. Wow. So he he's young. And I think baseball needs bright young stars who are playing well in the All Star game. So. Alejandro Kirk, you are the backstop for me for uh, for the AL team. Alejandro, Alejandro Kirk uh, is a runaway favorite here. He is 23 years old, and at the time of my compiling the stuff yesterday, 321 batting average, 406 OBP, 919 OPS, wow. nine home runs, 28 RBIs, and eight defensive runs saved. So he's been the best catcher offensively and the best catcher defensively in the American league. Well, I don't know. I mean, Jose Trevino, maybe he's a little better defensively. He'd probably be, he'd probably be the backup in this case in terms of who's number two, but uh, Alejandro is a clear runaway here. So how about American league first baseman? This is a little, this is where, so we had, a, we'll have some of these that are runaways. We have somewhere go in a couple different directions. Absolutely. And I think that if you were to take the run of the mill baseball fan, which we, we are not, I mean, we're, I think we're pretty deeply invested in baseball, yeah. uh, but if you were going to take the average baseball fan, I think when they think of American league, there's first baseman, they're probably saying, Oh, Vlad, Vlad jr. And granted he, he had a very slow start. He's definitely picking it back up. And I do think he's one of the elite hitters in the game and he probably will have a very, very strong chance of starting, but that's not who I have. And uh, if anyone is also to go back and listen to your Bob Nightingale show, uh, the way I, the, the way I kind of looked at this is I want the best players on the team. And that means that this involves utility players. And so I don't know if he's on the ballot as 
as a first baseman, but he, he certainly has. He, he is okay. Yeah. Um, so then I think we're obviously both talking about Luis Arias. Um, yes. If I'm saying this net Arias, 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 and I mean he, he's putting up Ichiro numbers. It's it's absolutely crazy. He's still hitting above 350, 360, I believe, and it's I I love this kid. Uh, not he's he'll be lucky if he gets to ten home runs this year, but. It, I, we need more of that. This is old school baseball and he puts the ball in play. He doesn't strike out that much at all. He gets on base. He'd be a perfect two hole hitter for me if I was making the, uh, the, the AL lineup. And so he, he's, he's my pick over at first base. He's also, uh, he's great defensively. I think he will still improve a little bit defensively, but I think, I think he's, he, he's good. I, he's my first baseman. Well, he's got a minus DRS. Really? He does. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's not the end all be all, but right. I defensively for me, I more look at the eye test Yeah. and I, he's made a couple good plays, but I, I also, you do have to look at the numbers now because there's just more available out there, but no, I mean, I think the eye test for defense is more valuable. It's just hard when it's hard to watch these guys play night in and night out and really know how good they are. Um, So I actually, I have two, I think there are two correct answers here. I've got Arias or who I actually ended up siding with, giving a slight edge to Ty France. Seattle Mariners first so, baseman, Ty France. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, he he I mean, I kind of have him slated. He would be my reserve uh first baseman. I, I think I have to give it to Louise because it's also there's so many stars. Uh, top down on the AL side that I kind of had trouble uh, finding a place for him, but Ty France would definitely be the guy that comes in third or fourth inning. Maybe if, if you want to, you know, uh, mix in a couple guys, you know, give Luis two at bats and then put Ty France in right after that. So here's your comparison. Arias, 349, 427, 868. France, 316, 390, 866. So essentially the same OPS. Batting average is 33 points lower. France has 10 home runs. Arias has four. And this is the two ones that really tip the scale for me. France has 20 more RBIs, 45 to 25. And then the defense. Uh, He's a plus three. Arias is a minus one. France, I believe, is the best defensive first baseman in the American League. And so I'm going to factor in that defense, and I it was close for me. I think if your guys are voting, I don't think you go wrong either way. This is one that I, I, th- I even wrote in my piece. I'm like, go for either one. I don't think either one is wrong, but I would prefer France. The, the, the only argument I have with that, I, I personally believe the best defensive first baseman is really Gurriel. And – uh, I, of course but, you do. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, he also won the gold glove. But the thing that also when we were talking about Orion the thing that really st- stands out for me is the eye test. And if you just look at how many positions Arias can play, that's very comparable to Yuli Gurriel. You know, before Gurriel, they stuck him in the outfield. He came up as a third baseman. He could play any infield position. He could play almost anywhere in the diamond. But then he they move him over to first base and he wins the gold glove. I think – Give Arias some time. He's still pretty young. Maybe he could get that defensive number up, uh, you know, as his career continues. But he's a guy that can play anywhere. I think you got to applaud him a little bit for that. But yeah. Uh, but but no, Ty France. 
I, I love the pick and we'll, we'll see if he ends up how long he'll be in Seattle, because if he continues this, he could be a hot name. I, I don't know where he is in his contract, but it's, um, I, I, think I think he has very early in his contract. Very early. Yeah. yeah. So he, yeah, it, it'll be a couple of years and the Mariners could be lucky to have him right now, but yeah, I, I, I love that pick. All right. I'm going to give you second base so I can let you react. <laughs> AL second baseman, Andres, Andres Jimenez from the Cleveland guardians. Ah, okay. Uh, okay. Um, look, I, I respect your pick. Uh, and I, I know I jumped the gun on my pick, but really, who was surprised? <laughs> I mean, I mean I, you're saying you're already Chad. You're like, I want the best players in there. And Jimenez has a batting average. What is it? 45, 43 points higher. He's got, yeah, 43 points higher. They have the same OBP. Altuve's got a higher OPS by a little bit. So Altuve's got more power numbers. Jimenez has been so key to this guardians team that prior to just over the weekend, they, they, they went on a little losing skid here. They're, they're, they were the hottest team in the American league last week. When I talked to Bob, he's a big reason why, because the guardians play elite defense. They're number two in defensive runs saved, and they have the highest contact rate, the lowest strikeout percentage. He's a big reason why. He puts the ball in play. He's batting 318. His DRS is plus eight. Altuve's is minus eight, minus two at this point. He's got a higher batting average. I think, oh, he's got more RBIs than Altuve, too. He's got nine more RBIs. So for me, I don't I, I don't think this one is as close as the last one. I think Jimenez deserves it. Yeah, I, I think I pick Altuve for other reasons, but I also try to be as uh, fairly holistic as possible. But the thing that – the reason why I get Altuve is because, I mean, fans want to see the power, and the power numbers are there. I think Altuve is easily going to hit 30 home runs this year. He, he could even maybe get 35. And so it's – I think fans do want to see that. And one thing also about Altuve, the total numbers are a little low because he missed a couple weeks – uh, this season. And I, I think it's impressive that, you know, he already has the numbers that he has after missing. I, I think he missed around 12, 15 games or so uh, kind of in the middle of the season about a month ago. And so I, I, th- I think it's impressive what Altuve has been able to do. One thing also was that Altuve knows that he needed to step up his power with the departure uh, of Correa. And so I think he should be rewarded and applauded for that. And so Altuve, he, he's hitting leadoff for me. And you also have to remember, Dusty Baker is your manager for the American League. So there's no way that, in my opinion, that he doesn't hit leadoff for this AL team. I don't care. I want the best player there, Chad. <laughs> I think Jimenez is the best one. He's great defensively, offensively. He's a big reason why the Guardians are here. And I know I know that Altuve is a big reason why the Astros are playing well. But you want to mention games played – isn't it valuable for the guy to play more games than the guy who's played less games? I mean, yeah, it, it is, but I also don't feel like you can fault them because it's not his fault that he, he got hurt. And so no, I, for sure. But I just, I would go Jimenez. Yeah. I respect your opinion. I'm picking out <laughs> Tuve. I think he could start at the American league every year if he wanted to. All right. Well, he shouldn't this year. 
<laughs> All right, AL third baseman. I'm staying with the same team, and I'm going Jose Ramirez from the Cleveland Guardians. And I actually think this one's a little close, though. Rafael Devers is having an incredible year. Uh, their numbers are not too far apart. But the one that I think was interesting for me is the reason why I give Ramirez the slight edge, even though Devers has a batting average that's 31 points higher, was I want to take into a park the ballparks these guys play in. So what is the park-adjusted OPS plus? Ramirez's OPS plus is 183. Devers is 173. So he is benefiting from those little small parks in the AL East Devers is. Now, he shouldn't be penalized for it, but I just think these are two MVP caliber guys. They shouldn't be too far behind Judge in the MVP watch moving in the second half of the year. They both are minus defenders this year, whatever. I mean, these are the two best by a long shot in terms of offense. And Ramirez also... The other reason I go Ramirez is he gives you a lot of the base paths. He's a great base runner. He's got 12 stolen bases. No, I um I had the same pick as you. I think and it did I had to look at the side by side with Rafael Devers and Ramirez, but the number that really jumped out to me was, you know, yes, I I think Devers is hitting like 330 right now and Ramirez is only hitting he's hitting like at a flat 300, I believe. But the thing that stuck out to me is that, you know, the Red Sox have a pretty uh, – I, I feel like they have a little bit of a more complete lineup in terms of their uh, – just their experience, you know, versus the Guardians. And Ramirez still has more runs driven in. Ramirez has over 63 runs batted in, and Devers only has, I think, 44 or something. 45 at the for time. 45. Like yesterday, yeah. at least. When I'm, all these stats are from Monday, by the way, going into gotcha. Monday's games. Yes. And so he uh, – I, 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 yeah. And, you know, also Ramirez uh, is a name that's been more talked about uh, in the MVP conversation than Devers, but I, I, I'm giving it to Ramirez and I, I love, I I love what he can do with the bat. And I, I, he's a star and he, he's the face of that franchise and has been for a few years. And so he's give it to him. He deserves a start of the hot corner. All right. So we're on the same page there. Shortstop. I'll let you go first. They're actually a few guys. If you at first glance, they're like four guys. I had Tim Anderson, Carlos Correa, Jeremy Pena, and Xander Bogarts as really the four. And then I went a little deeper into it and I ended up seeing one clear guy. Like the deeper you go, and I'll explain why, but I'm curious which one of those that you took. I for, for shortstop, you know, it's all, all those guys are great, but I I just it's a big name, but I had Xander Bogarts uh at shortstop. I, I think the average is is way up. He's very consistent. Uh he 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 drives and runs when he can, given the position he hits in the lineup. I, I think I think he's the clear favorite. I think he's yeah. a solid contact hitter. And traditionally that is what a shortstop is, is someone who can put the ball in play, keep the strikeout numbers low. I think Bogarts is the clear favorite. Tim Anderson was actually my my second pick. Um, I, per, I personally didn't really have Correa as high as I normally would, given you because know my, he left your team. He he, he left my <laughs> team, but but that's not even it. He you know Correa, um, his, his he had a slow start to the season, and I I think you have to give Anderson and Bogarts a little bit of the edge compared to Correa, and Correa is going to come around. But 
I think Bogarts is the clear favorite for me as well. And it's funny because I was looking at this and I was like, wow, like this is probably what America would have picked even if they didn't uh, look at any numbers. And it's just, it's funny how it works out that way sometimes. What do you mean? Bogarts is a big, Bogarts, I I think they'd pick Bogarts or, you know, the, the whole state of Illinois pick, Anderson probably. Well, maybe not the maybe not the north side, but <laughs> but uh, but but a lot of people. I don't think Anderson. I don't think he'd be polling very well in New York either. That that's true. <laughs> that, that is true. <laughs> but and well, neither would Bogarts. But okay, you know what? I went a little deeper into this. At first glance, like I said, you look at Tim Anderson. He's betting three fifty. But Anderson, Correa, Pena, none of those three guys have enough at bats, plate appearances, games to qualify for uh, batting average, OBP, OPS categories. And that's important in this. That's something I'm going to factor in is how many at-bats did you get? How many plate appearances do you have? And there are going to be some times when I'm going through this where maybe I deviate from that a little bit. But in this particular instance, I think this is a really easy way to weed everyone else out. Bogart's played more games than any of those three guys. He's batting 330, OBP of 399. He's got an OPS of 874, 31 RBI, and he's actually been a plus defender this year, which he struggled defensively in the past. He's having a really good year defensively by the numbers. Haven't been watching, but I think I think that DRS, if a guy's got a positive DRS in the infield, he's probably, I mean, I, I think the eye test would check out with that. I get a little more – I don't know how much I trust DRS with outfield in a shorter, smaller sample size, half a year, because I think – I don't know if I trust it as much. There's less action there. Um, but especially shortstop, Tim Anderson, by the way, I mean, he's missed a good amount of time. He's contributed to his team's defensive woes. He's the nucleus of the defense, and he's been bad defensively, and that's been a huge knock on the Sox this year. Once again, is their bad defensive team – and he also knocked up his side chick. So not a very good oh. first half for uh, for Tim Anderson. <laughs> I, I I can't remember when that stat was included, but it is now. <laughs> <laughs> I I actually did not know that. But oh, it's uh, a big deal around here. It's wow. Yeah. Well, so he's married man, and he's having a, <sighs> another child, but that's not sad. with his that's wife. That's very sad. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Well, so not okay. the best first half for him. I think. No. That's, yeah. So we'll go Bogarts. Move on from that one. <laughs> okay. Wow. AL outfield. I'm going to save a little time here. I think we're in mutual agreement. Aaron Judge and Mike Trout. Those two are the shoe ins. And then you have a little more room for number three. I'm actually going with a White Sox player here who's not on the ballot for this position. So I had to write him in. He's on the ballot for DH and that's Andrew Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn has been the most consistent force in the White Sox lineup. He's batting. Let's see. I got the numbers here. 316, 367, 843, seven home runs, 32 RBIs. As a guy who coming into the season, there were rumors about maybe he's the guy that they trade. He's been their best player offensively this whole year. I'd say he's been their best player all year. Now, Luis Roberts starting to heat up. He'd probably be my next one kind of looking in. He's having a really good year. And 
Um, but I think it's it's got to be uh, – I would go Judge, Trout, Vaughn. Who'd you go with? See, it – I wish I didn't have the jersey on, but I'm, I'm going with an Astro. I'm going with an Astro, and what Kyle I kind of Tucker. teased earlier is is Kyle Tucker, and the reason why his his offensive numbers are a little low. I think he entering the season on the offensive side, he was an MVP dark horse, but that hasn't been the case. The average is uh, particularly low. He's gonna his power numbers are surging back up, but the reason why the one thing that I looked at was Kyle Tucker is second in the MLB. Well, I think. I think now maybe third uh, in defensive runs saved uh, only behind uh, Tommy Edman and Brian Hayes. And so, and he's one just behind both of them. I think you have to look in that. And I can even yeah. think of two or three games that Kyle Tucker has saved the game for the Astros uh, from a tying, uh, you know, a tying run at the plate. There was another one at second that was going to put a runner in scoring position. He's saved, he saved the Astros butts a couple times and, I think also, again, we want the best player. I think he's the best play, one of the best outfielders defensively, uh, especially this season. And, you know, also Dusty Baker's going to, he's going to put him in the lineup. I, I don't think he, <laughs> I, I don't see how he wouldn't. I think he. I love strong... how you're vectoring in Dusty Baker's decisions <laughs> and who you're going to. This is a big deal for me. I mean, this is a big deal. <laughs> so it's, uh, I, I think Tucker, um, I, I, th- I think Tucker gets it, but outfield, I think Trout and Judge are are shoe ins, but that right field spot, there's going to be a plethora of guys that are fighting for that, and we'll, we'll see who yeah. it ends up going to. I like I like Robert. I had Kyle Tucker here on here as one of my options. Taylor Ward was leading the way mm. for the number three spot before he got hurt. He's probably still going to make the All Star team if he has a good next couple of weeks. He should be a reserve. And then the other one is Austin Hayes. I mean, the Orioles have they're. We haven't talked about it a whole lot, but the Orioles are not a terrible team like they've been in the past. They're starting to see the fruits of their labor, the fruits of their labor uh, this year, where you're starting to see some of these guys come up. Austin Hayes is a very good player. Cedric Mullins, Adley Rushman's up there. There are a couple other guys too that you got to like with that team. But Hayes, I would go with Hayes. Oh my gosh, I just realized I misspelled his name in the piece. I'm going to have to change that. <laughs> I spelled it. Because uh, his he's got a different spelling of the name Hayes. It's H A Y S, and I put an E in there. So oh wow, yeah, yeah there, there's uh because I, I think Cabrian Hayes spells it with an E. Yeah. So well, that, that's, that's cool. every time I've ever seen Hayes as the last name, it's always been with an E. I've never seen hmm. it without an E. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know about you. Yeah, no, I I I mostly see it with an E. <laughs> yeah, but. So, uh, no, I, I, I do like those picks. I really like those picks a lot. And um, yeah. And this I, one, again, even though I'm going Vaughn, I, I don't think that you could be terribly wrong with Tucker or one of these other guys. And for the flip side, Vaughn's very not good defensively. He's not good defensively. I just think that if I'm looking at that Sox team, what has been the thing that's kept them in the AL Central race? It's been him. It was like last year they had Mercedes who carried them offensively for the first month. And Vaughn, maybe not to that degree, but he's done it for a longer period of time. If he, if they did not have Andrew Vaughn, this team would be in a tougher spot right now to come back from where they've been. Now, they're lucky that Robert's heating up now, and hopefully the team can get healthy 
and better days are ahead for them. But I just think in terms of valuable, I think you take Kyle Tucker off the Astros. The Astros are still going to lead that division because part of it also is not just the Astros having a very good team, but that division is not good. Uh, same thing with Central's not great, but I just think, yeah. I, but you could also argue that you could argue that Tucker is more valuable because he changes the game more defensively. It's splitting hairs here. I don't think you. I don't think there's a real. I don't have an issue with that. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. I. I, I think he probably will end up uh, getting the notch, but we'll we'll see. There. There's gonna. And I think there's gonna be a strong force of reserves for the outfield to to be able to be mixed in throughout the game, but. Trout and Judge, I mean, they're, they're shoe-ins as well. Yeah, and Vaughn actually isn't going to have a chance because he's on the ballot as a DH. Now, mm. he, he, he'll probably – that won't matter in terms of being a reserve or not, but he's played more games. He played like 34 games in the outfield and like 14 games at DH and then another 10 games or so at first base. So I don't know why they put him on here as a DH. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Some of these things are a little strange. But nonetheless, we keep moving on and we talk about DH. There are two options here. I think there's one that is clear, is superior. The other one's worth mentioning, though, because he's also having a great year and it might get overshadowed. My number two is J.D. Martinez. Um, he really, if you want to talk about contracts, that guy's living up to the $110 million that he was got, given. And a lot of times we see these guys that get the big contracts and they don't live up to that. JD has, but Jordan Alvarez, who Chad probably thinks is the MVP at this point of the year, <laughs> yeah. he is. Uh, I got to give him the nod here. He's got, in terms of, uh, he's got an OPS over a thousand, um, batting, and then I mean, batting average 312, 404 OBP, 1053 OPS, 22 home runs, 54 RBIs. JD, not quite as many home runs, not quite, not quite as many RBI, um, lower OPS, but still great OPS, great OBP, and a 329 batting average. They should both be in this game, but I will go Alvarez here, and I'm sure you will too. I, I think Alvarez is uh, the number two. He gets the silver medal for AL MVP for me so far. I think Judge is the clear favorite right now. But unless he sl- if he slows down, I think Alvarez, if he continues to have a great year, he will probably run away with that. But there, it looks like Judge is doing fine so far, and so I think Alvarez gets that uh, number two vote for AL MVP. And so, of course, you have to start him. He'd be hitting uh, right behind Judge in my lineup. All right, now Chad, before we move to the National League, quick recap: Give me your starters on the AL side. You got Kirk. Arias, Altuve, Bogarts, Devers, in or sorry, Ramirez in the field, and then Judge, Trout, Tucker, Jordan hitting uh, at the DH spot. Okay, and I've got Kirk, France, Jimenez, Jose Ramirez, Xander Bogarts, Judge, Trout, Andrew Vaughn. That Andrew Vaughn is one piece of ace. <laughs> In Billy Madison. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never made that connection. <laughs> I know from experience. 
<laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> um, ALDH. Okay, and then I got I got Alvarez as my DH. So let's go to the National League side of things. Chad, who's your NL catcher? So, so here's the thing. This is uh, I don't want to foreshadow too much, but this is more of a farewell tour uh, for mm. for the NL. And so I I actually I, I think normal circumstances I would have uh, Jorge Alfaro starting behind the dish. I think he's put up great offensive numbers, but I have Yadier Molina um, as my NL starter. I think he deserves to be honored. He started in many of these, and like no, he's he's not having the best season he's had, but he's he's old. And I, I think he deserves to have um, to to be respected um, as he gets sent off. And I, I think, in my opinion, Molina should start. I respect that. I wasn't thinking along those lines. Uh, I do like Bob's idea to have these guys in the all-star game. I guess I was just going off of who should be there on performance. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't mind that selection. I don't think it's bad. I would go. I actually think it was Wilson Contreras for the first two months. And then as Contreras started to cool off, um, Will Smith started to heat up. And now if you look at their numbers side by side, they're pretty comparable. They're pretty even. One of them is a great defensive catcher. The other one has a minus six DRS. Will Smith is probably the, would you say he's the best defensive catcher in the National League? I think in the National League, he, I, I would say so. Probably. Yeah. I, I, I think so. Uh, the power numbers, batting average. Contreras has a better OBP and a better OPS. Smith has essentially the same amount of home runs, more RB, same amount of RBIs. I'm going to go, and this is a position that, again, if you're talking about what's more important, having a catcher who can hit or a catcher who is amazing defensively, take a look at the Yankees and how much better they are with Trevino than they were with Gary Sanchez. I'm going Will Smith. And Contreras is your backup. If you want a third guy who could also get into the game, even though he doesn't have as many at bats, William Contreras. It'd be fun mm. to get the brothers in the game as uh, <laughs> as backups. The, I don't. The, I Chad. By the way, is has that? Can you think of another time when brothers have played in an All Star game together? I had to look this up and I couldn't find it, but I do know that Felipe and Matty Alou played the 1968 All-Star game together as teammates. Well, wow. um, I don't know if that's happened since. I'd have to think about the brother pairs. I the, couldn't think the, of it. The only the only brother strong brother group that I thought of was the Molina brothers, but they they weren't not, none of them uh really lived up to Yadier's performance and so I believe he was the only All-Star out of them. Benji may have been Benji may have up. may have been one or tw- once, but it, Jose um, was not correct. And it's, uh, but yeah, I that's interesting. I uh, I've actually never heard of that, but I think they I think they probably will both make uh, the team, especially given a couple injuries. They're going to have to fill in some spots somehow, and I think they're both deserving uh, of a spot. Uh, Benji, I don't believe. I, I just looked it hmm. up. I don't think he ever made one. So. That's what I thought. That makes sense. Yeah. Benji was a good player, though. Not as good as Yachty, but he was a good player. Um, so, uh, yeah, that would be my catcher. D- did you have anything to add on the catcher, or do you want to move on along here? 
I, I, I don't think so. I, I think historically offensive numbers for catchers are, are pretty low. And, you know, we, we're not really seeing any Buster Posies anymore. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's unfortunate. But it's uh, – you're right. I mean, I think a great hitting catcher can really make a difference in the lineup. And um, it's – there. you know, who knows if Adley Rushman one day uh, will end up hitting 300 in a, in a full season of work. Who, who knows? But uh, I think the game kind of needs somebody like that ever since the departure of guys like Piazza, Posey – people who are going to put the ball in play as a catcher and not just be catch and throw. Yeah. All right. National League first base. This is a great group. You've got Goldschmidt, Garrett Cooper from the Marlins, Freddie Freeman, Josh Bell, CJ Crone, Eric Hosmer, and Pete Alonzo are all having all-star caliber years. But I do think there's one that's the clear favorite. I'm curious if you see it the same as I do, Chad. Yeah, I, uh, I I do think there's one as well. There there was three guys that I narrowed it down to. Um, for, for me, I, I had Goldschmidt, uh, and then I think uh, Josh Bell uh, was a close second. Uh, for me, I, I, I love what he's doing, uh, transitioning to a new club. I, I think he's uh, he, he's done a great job so far. And um, I, I think I, they'll trade him, by the way. That's a good trade chip. It, it, it'd be a great trade ship. I think he would add, he would provide a lot of value to a playoff team uh, that's that's looking for someone who could maybe maybe DH or or fill in another spot at first. And and then the other guy I had um, was Pete Alonzo, but uh, I I have Goldie starting. I think uh, he is so far the the number one candidate for NL MVP. You know he racked up four hits the other nine. It seemed like almost every time he has a multi hit game. Average is very high historically an incredible defender uh, i haven't looked at his numbers but he has the hardware to prove it and so i i i have goldschmidt goldschmidt is a minus two drs which is when mm. i see that i just i question like i'm like why am i putting so much <laughs> stock into this metric because we know he's great defensively it's that's something where i'm like okay over 162 that's gonna get better who yeah. knows i mean he I think he made a couple – no, Arenado had a couple of bad plays when I was at a Cubs-Cardinals mm. game uh, at Wrigley a few weeks ago. But it's actually – I was thinking Goldschmidt and Arenado is like the superior, way better version of Rizzo, Chris Bryant, and Anthony Rizzo. <laughs> like, it's just like they're way better. than It's like what Cubs fans wanted those guys to be. <laughs> um, and that's an MV, two MVP-type players year in and year out. Goldschmidt mm-hmm. is aging like fine wine. Um, Rizzo is trying to get that Goldschmidt money, and his game has not. He, I mean, Goldschmidt has always been superior, but it wasn't as big of a gap as it is now. Um, Rizzo is in a different stage of his career now. He's still a good player. He can give you a lot, especially in leadership. Um, tends to be good defensively, and he's hitting a lot of home runs in the same spot in Yankee Stadium where <laughs> – it wouldn't be a home run in any other park, but yeah. I mean, he's making it happen. Goldschmidt is the, I would say he's the NL MVP. I think it's him and Machado in that race right now. Um, maybe you could go Machado for the MVP. That's, that's a conversation mm-hmm. for another time, but yes, uh, 337, 421, 1043, 18 home runs, 62 RBIs. He's been great. 
Paul Goldschmidt, case closed. But for Goldschmidt to to get that, if he gets it, this is the most loaded position, I think, of when I was going through this. I'm like, my gosh, they've got Freeman, and Crone is having a great year, and Hosmer was fantastic before he got hurt, and then Alonzo and Garrett Cooper. Like, this is a great category. Matt Olson is like – when Matt Olson – is like your eight or ninth best first baseman in the NL. Like that tells you something, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I Goldsman is clear favorite for me and it's, I don't, but the problem is you could, what are you going to do with all these guys? You're deserving of an NL spot. I mean, I think, I think Josh Bell deserves to be on the team. I uh, yep. Alonzo could certainly find his way in the lineup uh, somehow, but it's, it's hard. It's very loaded. And I had a hard time, the hardest time with first baseman, uh, way more than probably any other position. All right. So second base, this is another one I think is really easy. I actually think jazz Chisholm is leading right now. And I think that is a product of jazz being successful at branding himself. He's got the blue hair. He's active on Twitter. He's a character. He's got a little swag. But I don't think he should be your starting second baseman. Maybe he makes the team. Jazz is batting like 249, mm-hmm. which is not that's not bad. But I just if I'm looking at starting the all-star game for second baseman, Jeff McNeil might be the most underrated player in all baseball. He's generally solid defensively. He's batting 327. Again, you want to talk about the value, especially in today's age, of putting the ball in play and hitting for contact. It's Jeff McNeil, 327, 386, 851, four home runs, 33 RBI. Big key part of the Mets' success up to this point is you got to, if you take a look at these teams that are running, are, that are doing extremely well, they all, they typically, each team has one of these guys that is pretty consistent with putting the ball in play, doesn't strike out a lot, and hits for contact. And Jeff McNeil has been doing this for a few years now. I mean, he was right up there at the top of the league in batting average in 2019, which may have been his rookie year, maybe the second year. We don't talk about Jeff McNeil, but he, I think, is the clear favorite for second base. I don't think it's close. I don't think there's anyone who's close to him in this category. I think he belongs there, and I do think he's very underrated. I I also had Jeff McNeil, and I do think uh... – Jazz Chisholm is deserving of an all-star spot, mainly because he has brought popularity uh, to baseball just as, you know, kind of like what you said. I, I can't think of any other way or better way to say it, a brand. And he, at the beginning, you know, his power numbers are up. And I think at the beginning, you know, his average was maybe a little inflated, but he's now, uh, he's still young again. Yeah. He, he's still yeah. he's still very young. And younger hitters are, yeah. Absolutely, and yet younger hitters are going to struggle and strike out more at the plate. Uh, but g- give him a few years. I think he's he's a star in the making. But I, I have Jeff McNeil. I think he's maybe one of the only second basemen hitting above 300, and he's crushing that mark right now. And I, I'm just worried. I, I hope the fans give him the, the vote that he deserves because he. the sad thing is that, I mean, with the Mets, it helps him, but he could have a hard time just making the team. And I just have a feeling that Jazz is going to end up starting just because he is Jazz. But I hope that Jeff McNeil makes the all-star game because he deserves it more than almost anyone in this in this lineup. Yeah, 100%. Who you got at third base, Chad? 
I I got your number two MVP so far. I got Manny Machado. I, I don't think it, there's a question. Again, big name, but he's putting up big numbers. And you, you already spewed his numbers off. I mean, he's he, he's great. I, I, I think that uh, Machado deserves it. The Padres also finding great success with him. And he he is living up to what they paid him. Uh, you know, a couple off seasons ago, I, I I think he's the clear favorite, Machado. I that that was a very easy pick for me. Yeah, and I guess I was thinking because Machado had an ankle injury a little over a week ago, so I a lot of people thought he may be out for a little while. So I, at that time, I was starting to think, well, who should take his place if he can't play? And then I thought Arenado, number two, and then the other guy who's having a good year who should probably get on the team as a reserve is Brandon Drury. Mm-hmm. He's having a really nice year for the Reds. Uh, 270, 331, 844, 14 home runs, 36 RBI. Arenado, number two. But Machado, like we talk about, he could be the MVP. I mean, it's going to be interesting what we see in the second half. But you mentioned Bryce Harper maturing, becoming a little bit more of a leader, being a veteran, and he's only 29 and has had a decade in this league. Machado, same story with him. They both hit the market at the same time. And I remember at the time people saying, are are either of these guys mature to lead a team if you're going to put that much money and invest in them? And we're seeing, I think, over the last couple of years, we've seen a much more matured, polished version of each of them as the veteran guy. We see it with Machado taking on more of a leadership role with that team. And a lot of people thought that Machado wasn't going to be that guy, or maybe he'd be a negative influence. It does not look that way at all. He's having a great year. He's a huge reason why the Padres could win the NL West this year. And they're only game and a half back right now of the Dodgers. So yeah, Machado shortstop, Chad. This is a good one. There are three guys that I had here that I was considering and they're all pretty close together. I think. Yes, and there's I, I actually have Trey Turner. I, I think his average is there. He's hitting a fair amount of home runs for you know playing shortstop, and I, I, I think he deserves it. He is one of the best base runners. I think he probably is the best base runner in all of baseball. Uh, I don't know exactly what his defensive numbers are, but I, I think Trey Turner is deserving, and he's helped. he's a core part of that Dodgers team leading the West. And so I, I, I think he starts, but there's going to be a – a healthy amount of reserves they'll be able to uh, circulate their way into the game. So three hours between returner, Dansby Swanson and Tommy Edmond. Mm-hmm. Turner is the best one offensively. Well, sort of, I mean, Swanson isn't that far off from him. Swanson's mm-hmm. on fire right now. Yeah. And then Edmond is, has been the best defensively. If you want to talk about a guy who has been great at, uh, playing multiple positions, utility guy sliding in and taking over shortstop once Nolan Gorman came up. And I don't think Paul DeYoung is going to be getting that position back any point this year, which was really kind of shocking. I mean, I think going into the year, I would have thought DeYoung is so good defensively. And they've got Edmund at second, and maybe they move Edmund around when Gorman comes up, or maybe Gorman ends up DHing a little bit. But no. Edmonds the shortstop now. He's back to the position that he played in college at Stanford. Fun fact, he was actually the shortstop before 
Nico Horner, who would be number four on this list for me. He's also having a very good year. Edmund's been great defensively. He's, I think you were, you mentioned position players for war. I think he's got the highest war of any position player at this He time. does. He does. He's, he's one uh, above uh, Kyle Tucker right now. And so he's, yeah, he, he's he like 4.1 4. or something I, like that. I, I think 4.2, I believe. And wow. Tucker's at four, like 4.1, I believe something like that. And then defensive run saved. He's also one run above Tucker. He has 14 um, along with Brian Hayes, and then Tucker has 13 defensive runs saved. <laughs> he must have added another one yesterday because he was mm-hmm. at 13 when I made this list. Mm. Four of them were at short, nine at second base. So or maybe he has another one from another position. I don't know. But, um, I mean, those are your three best shortstops right now, I think, in the National League. And each kind of gives you a little bit of something different in terms of Edmund is probably a little more of, like, the defense – but he also is a good hitter, for sure. Turner's probably the best. Like, if I'm counting on one of these guys late in the game, I'm counting on Turner to be the best hitter of this group. Swanson, I think, is probably the best balance of in-between. He's great defensively, and he's having this – is the, this is the quintessential Dansby Swanson season. This is what the Diamondbacks thought they were getting when they used him they used the number one overall pick in the 2015 Major League Baseball amateur draft to draft him. He's what the Braves thought they were getting when they traded for him, uh, when they traded Justin Upton. Or who was it that they traded to the – oh, was it – oh, no, 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 sorry. They traded Jason Hayward, got Shelby Miller back, and then traded Shelby Miller for him. They got Swanson in that trade along with Enders Inciarte. And I wrote a whole piece on that if you guys want to check that out. <laughs> uh, I've got that stored up here. But I'm going to go with Swanson. I think he's putting it all together. This is his best year. He's really not that far behind Turner in terms of batting average. You got just a side by side here. I'll give you Turner 317, Swanson 304. Swanson has a better OBP, better OPS. He's got more home runs. Turner has 10 more RBIs. And then Swanson rates as a better defensive player. Turner, traditionally, he looks like he's an average defensive shortstop, which I think is what he's been. I think the other two guys are way above average in terms of defense. So I'm actually going to go Swanson. But, again, I wouldn't be I, – I, this is another one where if I was grading your paper and you picked one of these three guys, I'd be like, all right, good job. You got it. <laughs> Multiple yeah. correct answers. Uh, oh, absolutely. I, I I like this the Swanson pick. He he was easily my my number two guy. But then at the same time, I also if I'm giving the Astros benefit of the doubt with having Dusty, you got to remember that Brian Snicker is going to he's going to be there in the dugout. And so I honestly think that Swanson probably will uh, get the starting nod, especially after coming off that World Series, having his own manager in the dugout. I I, th- I think that I, I I like your pick. Well, I mean, the the guy gets voted in to start is going to start. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. But, but still, uh, I I I think it'll be, yeah. I I would. That's a good pick. Yeah. All right. Very that's good. Much Thank to say. you. <laughs> All right. National League outfield. This is a really weird category. It's pretty thin. It's pretty it, thin. So there are different directions is. you can go. I want to hear your top three. We both probably have Mookie Betts in there. Would be my guess. Okay, so yes. who, are you, who else do you have? 
So, so, so I, I have Mookie Betts in there, but I also added somebody else because I looked up a couple things. He might not be back or fully healthy to start. Um, he's, I think, pre- expected to maybe come back uh, July 27th or so. And so he might not be back in time to play. Uh, and so but, I, but we'd vote him in for 100%. On, yeah. So we'd vote absolutely. him in and then someone else would take his spot is what you're saying. Absolutely. I, I think he gave Goldschmidt the best run for his money for MVP up to the point that he was hurt. Um, and then Machado also started uh, hitting hot once Bess was injured a while back. But I, um, the, the, the funny thing is that, like I said, I kind of also mentioned this, the best players need to play and, I don't know how possible this would be, but I I put Pete Alonso as my left filler because I think he is deserving to start. I, I think his his numbers are there and put him in. He's a baseball player, so I, I put him in. The, the reason why is if you oh have no Mookie, gosh. I'm sure Buck uh, Showalter would love that. His, his <laughs> rival rival manager is going to put him in a position that he hasn't played before. It's yeah. big. It, it, exactly, and oh, so I, 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 I think I think he. It would be really fun to see him. Why, why not do that? It'd be fun. I just don't think that'll happen. I really don't. I don't think. I don't. I. Re- you think Buck Showalter is going to be like? Okay, yeah, fine. Put him. Put him in left field in, the, in this game. I. Well, we'll, we'll see. The, the thing is, I was looking at possible players, and you know, so, some of the popular picks are going to be guys like Juan Soto, but Juan Soto is hitting two twenty. Yeah. I, he, he's not in my lineup. And, well, give me give me who your top three outfielders are before so you, we can put that on the table for later. Right. I, I have Alonzo. I, I have, so you uh, have Alonzo as a top three outfielder. He hasn't played outfield this year. That's correct. I, 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 I put him in my lineup because this is just a very thin, thin spot. I, I put him in at starting the lineup. I look I like I'm him. frozen right now because I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. I, I have I have Jock Peterson in center field. I think he's putting together a great year. This is this might ruffle some feathers because the batting average is extremely low, but home run numbers are up. I put Kyle Schwarber in the outfield. I I think he's he's a fun player to watch. I think he had, if he were to start uh, in the outfield, and he, he's a guy who could play you know almost anywhere for the most part. And I I think he he would hit a home run in the All Star game if he started. Okay, so. You've got Schwarber. Really, your three are Schwarber, Peterson, and Betts. Uh, yes, correct. Yeah. So that's what yes. you, you would vote in. And then correct. you're saying that Alonzo should slot in as a reserve, which I, I, I actually like that idea. I think that's a good idea. I was more just like, are you voting him in as one of your top three outfielders? No. Because that's what I was like. St- I'm like, how you can't. I'm like, I, I was very confused. But that I actually like that idea. I think that's a good idea because you do want the best players to get in that game somehow. Um, now, the question would be, like, are there other ways that you can move this thing around? So is I'm trying to think. So we had Goldschmidt at first base. Well, Alonzo, I don't know. Well, whatever. Okay. That's fair. So so, so you, you, you could put Alonzo at DH as well, but I have a Which special you, pick that's for what that. You're gonna have to, I think – we're gonna we're gonna touch on DH a little bit. Um, yes. So let's save this part for when we get to DH and yeah. we can come back to it. Okay. Um, so Schwarber, I'm not going Schwarber. So here's something I have. There are only four qualified outfielders in the National League this season with an OPS above 800. So only four guys who can qualify for the OPS title or crown or whatever at this point in the season. 
The four are Mookie, Schwarber, Ian Happ, and Juan Soto. And Mookie's the only all-star in that group to me. I think that Schwarber and Soto, their aver- their averages are both below 220. I don't think that, like you said, I don't think, I mean, Schwarber is having a good month. He's hitting for a lot of power. I do think he'd be fun to watch in the all-star game. I'm not denying that. I just think there are a couple guys who I think are more deserving than them. Hap's having a good year, but not like a great year. I mean, he's batting 279. It's not like he's got a lot of power. Mainly his OPS is from his high OBP. He walks a lot. Um, but Hap is very, very poor defensively in left field. And I've part of it is my bias because I see more Cubs than anything. And I've just seen so many fly balls hit into left field that should be caught, that he doesn't catch. And then starters ERAs are inflated as a result because it ends up being a double or a triple and it should be caught. And then the guy gets taken out of the game and a reliever gives up a home run and just the whole, that's the Cubs season right now. (laughs) (laughs) Now he'll probably be a reserve, but okay. So I went Mookie and then I actually went Jock Peterson as well. Jock technically doesn't qualify, but he still has 17 home runs. He's got a respectable batting average of 273. His OPS is 924. And he has the best park-adjusted OPS plus of this group because he plays in San Francisco. And that is a pitcher. That's a big pitcher's park. And he's still bashing them. So I'm giving Jock a lot of credit. And Jock is like, in this case, he's like Swanson. Similar story. Guy who comes up his rookie year, that first couple months, he looked like he was going to be what Bellinger ended up becoming at one point. That sort of was the trajectory for him. And then he ended up becoming a platoon player on a stacked team, not stacked, but a a very deep team. And now last year he got a chance to be an everyday player and he ended up falling back into a platoon role. He's doing a little platooning in San Francisco, but this is the best we've seen of jock. And he's actually looking like the star player that many of us thought he would be. So like Swanson, similar story. I got both those guys in the game. And honestly, good for those guys. Yeah, and and I think Peterson showed what he could become in the playoffs last year, and I think that easily spilled and carried over into this year of the of the year that he's having. And so I, but yeah, out of if you disqualify bets because of his injury, he's the only guy that I would truly give the crown to. But with the outfield just being a hard 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 three spots to fill right now. Um, the, the reason why I give Schwarber is because, I mean, he's one of two hitters who has 20 home runs in the NL, mm. obviously the first one being Alonzo. I, I think that deserves something. I think Schwarber would be uh, really fun to watch in the home run derby too. And yeah, he's, he's, he's a, a beast in the home run derby. S- such a beast. And so I'm assuming Alonzo will be back there and probably try to, uh, to win it <laughs> again. But um, yeah, I it, it's tough. But Betts is um, – for sure, he's living up to the money that he's getting, even though he's hurt right now. Okay, so then my third one was one that, like your Alonzo pick, a little creativity here, took a little creative liberty, and I actually think my three are going to be a three that end up getting in because they're leading right now. My third is Ronald Acuna Jr. So Acuna missed the first 20 games, 19, 20 games, Without Acuna in the lineup, 
the Braves were below 500. His first month back, he had to DH more than half the time because he wasn't fully he wasn't a full go yet. But on June on June 2nd, the Braves were 25 and 27. Okay. The next day, Acuna on June 3rd, he returned to playing right field every single day. He's played there. He hasn't moved back to DH. He returns a full go in right field. He's fully back. And ever since then, they're 17 and 5. We saw, I don't th- I thought there was a direct correlation to Acuna being a full go and the Braves returning to being the Braves again because they kind of stumbled out of the gate. And now they're they're only a few, they're four, they're five games back of the Mets at this point. At one point they were nine and a half or 10 games. Um, at least at the start of that stretch, they were nine and a half games back. And it looked like the Mets were just going to be dusting everybody in that division. It was going to be a wrap. And I mean, it looks like the Braves are going to be contending for that division crown down to the wire. I think they're going to get a little closer. I think if you want to talk about how valuable a guy is, look at what has happened since Acuna came back. And like I said, with only four guys being qualified for that OPS above 800, this is a category where I'm not going to put as much stock into how many games have you played because I know he has less um, plate appearances and games played. But in the time that he's played, he's banged 281, 372 OBP, 824, seven home runs, 18 RBI, and he's a very good defensive player. And that I think he's a true star. I don't think some of these other guys that we've talked about, um, such as Hap or a couple of other guys who will probably get in, Starling Marte, Brandon Nimmo, having good years, but not great years. And I think Acuna, you're like looking at a true superstar. These other guys are good players, but not superstars. So I would go with Acuna, and I think he'll actually get in. I, I think he'll get in. I, I believe last time I checked, he was maybe just behind bets or maybe I, I'm sure Soto is probably up there too in votes, but uh, I mean, he, he'll have no problem getting in, especially because he's a brave, he's going to be fine. But um, yeah, no, give them the benefit of the doubt. Like you said, just because at the time that he's missed, he's not putting together a bad gear. He just, his numbers aren't sufficient enough for what I think you and I would traditionally say, but yeah, I, th- I think one guy um, also that I, I really like a lot, and I, this is also probably jumping the gun, but we, you, th- you think of home run derby, you look at all – have you even seen Rowdy Telez? I think he's great. <laughs> I love yeah. I love watching him swing the bat. I think he'd be a good home run guy. He kind of is in the same category as Schwarber in terms of numbers this year. He has good home run numbers. He's kind of coming out of nowhere though, but um, – he could be someone that you can maybe mix in. He's a first baseman, though, so, again, he's clumped into that very, very competitive NL yeah. guy. He wasn't even a, a, a name that we mentioned, and I think he's put together a decent year in Milwaukee. Yeah, I don't think he's an all-star, but I think Homer and Derby, he'd be a good guy for that. I do think that what you say about Schwarber rings true. With home run numbers being down this year, the guys who could truly still slug with whatever they're doing to the baseball to deaden it are more valuable. And I think that's where the guys who are hitting for contact are more valuable because the last five years, we're seeing so many guys with these inflated home run totals. By the way, 
it's kind of interesting to me. Yelich, Bellinger, those guys exploded when the baseballs were exploding off the bat. And ever since the ball has been not as juiced and now it's even deaded, we say, both those guys have really struggled quite a bit. I think that there may be something to that because neither of those guys are like big Adonis like jacked guys. They're a little leaner. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know fully what's going on with them. Injuries play a role, especially with Yelich. But um, yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Well, I, I think you just you look at both of them at the plate. Yelich hits for contact uh, a little bit better than Bellinger historically, yeah. and he has a little bit better swing. But when you look at Bellinger, I think he has probably the biggest uppercut in the MLB. I mean, he he golfs all his balls, and he <laughs> almost every time that he doesn't get a hit, he's usually popping out into the infield or outfield. And so those balls just aren't flying off the bat, and he's not hitting as many home runs because his – home runs that maybe, you know, scrape the fence are now outs. They're now pop outs. And so I think it's a pretty clear cut uh, translation to what's kind of going on with his bat. And he's striking out a lot too. I mean, he's, he's had a couple seasons aside from his MVP year where he, he struggles uh, seeing the ball all the way through, but it's, they're, they're both guys that they pop the ball up a lot and it's just not as fun. It's not flying as, as, as far anymore. Um, okay, let's move along DH. We've got Bryce Harper. He's got to be starting in this game. He won't play, so we can talk about how we fill that position. Harper, oh my goodness, what a bummer this is, especially the timing of this injury. But what you were saying, I actually wrote this in my piece. We don't have to fill his starting position with the next best DH, which is, I think it's Garrett Cooper. William Contreras is actually on the ballot in this category. He's another guy. But you could put in anyone off the bench, any reserve to DH. And like you said, with outfield, same thing. You could put in Alonzo in left field. I'd probably put someone who's a little more comfortable with being out there. So I think if I was doing some stuff here with the reserves, I mean, i just pick any one of those first basemen to DH. Uh, and then I put Tommy Edmond in the outfield because he's played it before. So I, I think that'd make a little more sense because he's comfortable. He's done it before rather than someone you're just going to toss out there. And he might look like Kyle Schwarber when Kyle Schwarber first got thrown into the ring of fire. Um, you don't have to have someone match up ex- ideally with that position. You don't have to say, okay, we're going to take the next best left fielder to play left field. You can take Tommy Edmond, put him in left field. Same thing with D.H., and I think you're thinking along the same lines of that too. Uh, Bryce Harper would would be my clear favorite. It's just unfortunate he'll he'll get the the All Star tag. Yep. He'll, he'll, he but he he's not going to he play should. as he should absolutely. And he's also a guy that he you know before this injury he'd be in MVP conversation easily as well. But I, I there, there's two guys that I'm thinking of. One of them is someone who I think is really deserving of an All Star spot. I think it's Josh Bell. I, I think he would be really fun to uh, yeah. to fill that DH spot. But then the other guy that I have is it's the farewell tour. I, I think it'd be really cool to see Albert Pujols start at DH. Whoa. Give him give him yeah. one or two at bats, uh, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. He's not asking for much. You know, he doesn't even really play all the time. But he he's one of the greatest hitter. I think he could be 
you know, pr- probably one of the greatest uh, hitters of our generation, if not, you know, and he, I, I think he's very deserving to, to go out with a bang. And I think this would be great for him. And I think baseball needs to honor him in that. I love that. I think that would be great. I'd be all for that. I think that'd be <laughs> Great way. We should get Molina and Pools in this all-star game. Uh, top of the mind, who would you have starting these games? I think I'd go Alcantara on the NL side. I haven't thought much about the AL, maybe Nestor Cortez. Who do you have? Well, so I for me, for the NL, it was between uh, Alcantara and then the, the guy that I ended up picking. Uh, I think Tony Gonsolin is putting up a great, mm-hmm. great, yeah. great number. Extremely low ERA. Uh, the whip is, I think, 0.8 something. He's in, you know, he's on a, a championship caliber team. I think he would be great. And then for for the AL side, I do have Justin Verlander. I think he he's going to be in that Cy Young uh, candidacy again. And he's, I mean, he's also he's coming off of Tommy John, and he is pitching out of his mind. And I, I think the numbers are there. I think he he probably will end up getting it just because his name is there. Uh, but I, I have Verlander and Gonsolin. I would actually, I'm looking at it right now. I'd go Shane McClanahan, mm. lowest ERA in the American League. He has more starts than Verlander. Um, and then let's see, whip. He's also got a lower whip. So I would go McClanahan. And then I'd go, I think you're right. I ooh, actually I will go, I will go Alcantara for the NL because his ERA may be Gonsolin's one five eight ERA, Alcantara's one nine five. But Alcantara has thrown 32 and a third more innings. That that makes a big that's a big difference for me. Is how much are you pitching? How deep are you going into games? Um, I really value those guys. Value those guys. So, um, but I mean, we're thinking along the same lines. I I don't think you'd really be wrong going with either guy. And they're they're all all these guys are going to pitch anyway. We're going to see them in there. Absolutely. Yeah. I. Uh... Yeah, the pitcher spots are already hard, and plus, like now, even more so. You know, what if what if Verlander doesn't want to pitch? I mean, I think he's going to want to pitch, but what if another guy who could be named the starter? What if he doesn't want to start because he just pitched two days before? You know, he they're they're thinking along the lines of their team, and for pitchers, this isn't the biggest deal of the world to them. No, certainly not. All right, Chad, this was a lot of fun. You can follow him. I think it's just at Chad Vaughrine on Twitter, right? It is. Yes. Just the first name, last name. All right. Any closing thoughts, anything you want to promote, anything you want to add here before we say goodbye for now? <laughs> nothing, nothing pretty much. It, it's it's <laughs> been fun uh, talking and it's, it's also been a lot of fun. I know Jack and I, we've talked a lot just about how our summers are going. It's been fun just kind of moving things along. And so um, excited for you to see what is uh, next for you, Jack, and you're doing a great job with this show. Oh, thank you very much. And as Chad is a little cryptic there, I should just say, I'm not going to stop doing this show anytime soon. So don't be scared if you just heard what Chad said. I'm just, I'm looking around. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Not yeah. what I meant at all. <laughs> I'm looking around. Uh, I could be moving. We'll see. Could be trying to find some more work in addition to doing what we're doing here with the Jack Vita show. Um, so, hey, if you're listening and you you got a job for me, hit me up. I'm at Jack Vita show. <laughs> so okay chad thank you so much for coming by i'm sure we'll talk again later in the summer a lot of baseball to be discussed um appreciate your time today my friend of course jack it's always a pleasure being on the show 
All right, guys, that concludes my conversation today with Chad Vaughn. Always fun having him on. Great guy. Uh, very knowledgeable baseball fan. Even if he does have a little bit of a slight Astros bias, we still love him for it. Uh, you guys are not going to want to miss the next episode that we do. Uh, whether you watch the real world of the challenge on MTV or not, you should definitely check this out, especially because we're going to talk. We're going to we're going to have a lot of different conversations or a lot of different categories in this conversation. We're going to talk about what it's like to be the wife of a minor league player. We're going to talk about some faith and life for that matter. And I think Jessica is going to be extremely interesting to listen to. She seems very friendly from my interactions with her. She seems like a very nice person. So make sure you guys subscribe to the Jack Vita show on Apple podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is that you guys get your podcasts and log on to jackvita.com. You can read my all-star piece. You can read some of the other pieces. I wrote a piece a couple weeks back about the Phillies and their struggles after letting go and saying goodbye to Joe Girardi. So go to jackvita.com. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Jack Vita Show. If you like what you hear, you can reach out anytime and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And uh, subscribe to the show wherever it is that you get your podcast. Okay, so until my conversation later this week with Jessica McCain France, I'm Jack Vita, bringing the dancing lobsters.